Welcome, everyone, to an episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com. we got a special Monday taping here directly from the airport from Chicago where the Giants lost yet again. Is anybody surprised at this point? It just keeps heading in that direction. They can't even beat Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears. And Mitchell Trubisky, by the way, just awful. I'll get to that in a minute. 1914. This is basically the Thanksgiving week episode. This is going to be a crazy week. Everybody, nobody works on Thursday or Thanksgiving. Uh, nobody goes into work on Friday. You take off early on Wednesday. So basically, you don't work at all this week. So I got I figured I had to get it to you quick and early. And also, because I got a, I have a short week. I got to go celebrate Thanksgiving with the family. I'm going to go to, to uh, Pennsylvania and celebrate with the wife's family and eat the turkey and the stuffing and all that other stuff that you don't eat the rest of the year, right? So there you go. Thanksgiving for you in, a, in one full swoop. But let's talk about the Giants and just where this team is right now. And we talk about Thanksgiving. And this time of the year, it keeps bringing it up over and over and over again to me, is I joined the beat in 20 to 2013, right? So 2013, 14. 15, 16 was the outlier, 17, 18, 19. That's six out of seven years. The Giants have been out of it by Thanksgiving. Now, let me explain to you how hard it is to do that. Because that's almost, there's there's more than a quarter of the season left. And it's over. You can't even pretend. You can't even pretend. To look at it and say, oh, they have a shot at the playoffs, right? The Giants are 2-9 and nine right now. There's one team worse, the Bengals. They, they haven't won yet this year, right? There's only two other teams that are 2-9. and nine. It's the Dolphins and the Redskins. The Giants are in a class right now with the Dolphins, who are intentionally tanking, and the Redskins. Have you seen the Redskins play this year? Have you seen the Redskins play? But I guess if you've seen the Giants play, you say the same exact thing. And that's why I think if you look at this year, and just on a whole, we're talking about record-wise. If the Giants go 3-13 and this year, which I think is actually a possibility, or even 4-12, and it's worse, worse than them going 3-13 and in 2017. When everything went wrong. When guys were getting suspended left and right. Because that year, they went 3-13 and because guys were getting hurt left and right. Odell Beckham didn't even play in 2017, barely. He was injured before the season, right? He got hurt in, in uh, that uh, preseason game. And then again, broke his ankle in week five, I believe it was, right? So he barely played that year. Sterling Shepard got hurt that year. Uh, Landon Collins ended up getting hurt that year. So they finished 3-13 and because a lot of their best players got hurt. They did not play. This year they're just three and thirteen because they stink. They're three and thirteen because they're just that bad. Now the only saving grace that you can look at the season and say we got something out of it is going to be Daniel Jones, right? I'm going to say, well, maybe just maybe we saw enough where we have our quarterback. He got this out of his way. You know, he got the the, the experience out of the way. Granted, you would like to see him win some more games. And the one thing, and I, and I like Daniel Jones, you watch that play. When the Giants are trailing by 12 in the fourth quarter, there's like 4-10 left. And he 
is under heavy pressure. Will Hernandez has what you call a no-hitter, right? Which in offensive line terms means that he didn't even get a hand on the guy. Totally whiffed. Guy got a free run, basically, from the interior at Daniel Jones. He steps up, avoids that guy, doesn't have his feet set, doesn't have a good base, yet throws a perfect pass. Maybe he was just throwing it up. Maybe he was just taking a shot in the dark. But with his feet and his base the way it was, and to throw that pass right on target in the back of the end zone, in stride, over the defender to Golden Tate, those are the plays that you look at and say, wow. You know, I see enough of these plays. These plays that are just, these aren't just, you know, flashes in the pen. These are, these are plays that you're like, wow. Not every quarterback can make these kind of plays. So if he could get it, get it together and be better on a consistent basis and flash those plays in, we might have something here. That you have to feel good about. But everything else, I mean, Saquon Barkley, it's been a struggle. I want to talk about that real quick here for a minute. What really is the reason for all these struggles? His final stats yesterday, two catches for one yard. Two catches, one yard. That's obviously not going to do it. And then 17 for 59 rushing, not awful, but at the same time, not exactly what you were expecting from a guy like Saquon Barkley this year. So... Why is it that he's been so unsuccessful? And one of the things that came up with today, granted, he dropped the ball, and he's not playing very well. That You could start with that, right? I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. He has to play better. He's coming off the injury. He's getting healthier. He told me yesterday after the game that this is the best he's felt after a game in a while. Now, remember, we're now two months, basically, from when he suffered the injury. So, yeah, is he 100%? Probably not. Is he banged up a little bit? Yeah, but there's a difference between being injured and being hurt, right? And I don't even think he's either. He's not even on the injury report these days. Now, he's getting a little bit healthier, but that's been a problem. He hasn't been completely healthy, right? The team around him has been bad. The quarterback doesn't throw to him as much as Eli Manning, who was willing to check it down. So the ball's not in his hands as often. That then puts it in the coaching staff's hand. Pat Shermer then. He needs to scheme up plays for Saquon Barkley. They haven't done that enough, it seems. They haven't found ways to get him in open space, to get him in one-on-one coverage against linebackers and safeties. And then finally, it came to me today. I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm like, why didn't it, why didn't it come to me earlier? Right? And Saquon Barkley's a great player, and he's going to have success in this league, and he's going to have great success in this league. But part of the Giants' struggles this year, right now, and his struggles, and Daniel Jones said something, and that's kind of what got me my ears to perk up a little bit. He said, yeah, obviously the way defenses you know, are paying attention to Saquon. That's part of the reason why he hasn't got a big, big a deal in the passing game. Well, voila. Right? Odell Beckham. What? When he's on that field, what does he do? He draws attention. At a rate that's almost almost unprecedented. Bill Belichick, who everyone respects, everyone knows is this great coach, probably the greatest ever, defensive genius. He says to Beckham every time, we're going to W the entire game every time they play. That's the attention that this kind of guy draws. And that helps out everybody else. That helps out 
the Saquon Barkleys of the world, even though he's a great player. That helps out the Sterling Shepherds, the Evan Ingrams, all these guys. So maybe that is playing a part in why things are so difficult. It is playing a part in why things are so difficult for Saquon Barkley this year. Some other things to take away from this latest loss is, first of all, Mr. Trubisky, holy cow. Every five plays, the guy just seems to throw the ball up in the air like a, a Hail Mary. I mean, bad. Really bad. Julian Love saw him get some play, game action first time this year. Pretty much a non-factor. I think he had one tackle, but he did have an interception on one of those uh, arm punts that Trubisky threw up there. Give him credit for that. But at the same time, aside from that, kind of quiet. So it's interesting, but he, he also didn't get beat badly. So he didn't stand out in a negative way, like a sore thumb. So that's something to watch moving forward. You have Julian Love now. He's going to play. He's going to be in that second safety spot, probably with Jabril Peppers out for a little bit. And Jabril Peppers is now sidelined with a back injury, basically a broken bone in his back of some sort. So who knows when he's going to get on the field. They said it's a pain tolerance thing. But really, does this guy? did they have to throw him out on the field with a broken back? In pain and shoot him up. They're two and nine. Two and nine. You're really going to throw him out there? Is it pain tolerance? So yeah, he could tolerate the pain. <laughs> That'll be interesting. They, they better not go down that road. DeAndre Baker had a better game. I wrote an article about him last week. Uh, if you didn't read it, go read it about his struggles this year. There's a lot to, that goes into it. Uh, he got called out at a team meeting, split some time with Sam Beal, but he played much better in a, uh, granted in a smaller role, still a big role though. Pretty much 75% of the snaps. Daniel Jones, he had his worst game, but at least production-wise, did have that one turnover that they can't get away from. But do we really want to blame that turnover on him in this game? I mean, instant pressure, Khalil Mack off the edge against Nate Solder, once again. But forces a, hits him from behind, blindside hit, forces the fumble. I can't sit there and blame that on Daniel Jones. I know it's a turnover, and I know we still haven't seen a clean game. And that is worrisome. And that is troubling. The other thing that worries about me about Daniel Jones, and it was the one thing that probably worried me most, is is because he didn't win a lot of Duke, is he able to put the team on his back and make other players around him better to the point where it leads to winning games? And that's ultimately, I think, what's going to decide how good a quarterback he is in the long term. Talk about the defensive line for a second coming out of that game. Start with Dexter Lawrence. Okay. First round pick at times earlier this year has looked promising. Very quiet in this one. Very quiet to the point where I'm looking right now. Two tackles. Two tackles. Quarterback hit. Quiet game. Leonard Williams. Even quieter. One tackle. One quarterback hit. Remember, the Giants just traded assets for this guy. It's going to be an interesting, interesting subject of how they approach that and if, if they resign him, if it's going to be worth it. Like, do you really want to pay money to big money? Because he's not going to sign for nothing. And I'm going to address this this week, so look out for an article on that. Uh, I do want to mention one other thing is there was a positive, and it was that Mike Remmers returned at right tackle. I actually played pretty well. So I want to give him a little credit there. Mike Remmers returned. We I thought it was smart to play Nick Gates, the younger guy, see what he has. But Mike Remmers kind of played pretty well. 
As far as the secondary, though, I mean, they just picked on Corey Ballantyne. I mean, would he give up five straight passes in the, in the third quarter? I mean, they just went after. And that's the thing. You could sit there if you're the opposing the uh, offensive coordinator and say, pick, just pick your poison. We're going to pick on Baker. We're going to pick on Ballantyne. Just pick your poison. We're going to pick on Ogletree. And what the Bears did and what pretty much all the teams did, we said this at the beginning of the season. And we said this last year and the year before that and the year before that. The middle of the field, the linebackers, abysmal. You could just sit there and pick them apart. Have fun at will in the middle of the field. And that's what the Bears did. And that's with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. So what it leads to now is the Giants at 2-9. and nine, With only one team in the league worse. That being the Cincinnati Bengals. So the good part of that is, when we're looking to the future, guess what? Number two overall pick, if the draft was today, I believe would be your New York football giants. And with that, on to the next one. Let's welcome in one of my favorite guests. Actually, my favorite guest of all time. Wow. We went, this is, this is a no brainer. Dave Rothenberg. He is the, one of the co-hosts on the, uh, midday show on 9870 ESPN New York with, uh, uh, Canty, Humpty, and with Rothenberg, right? I mean, why, why is it, why is it with, by the way? Listen, I, I don't have all the answers for you. Uh, I will, <laughs> I will tell you that we are, you know, right now, as far as I know, and I've been told by management at 98.7, it is DiPietro, Canty, Rothenberg. We're all on equal footing. I feel comfortable. The show is doing well, <laughs> and I'm here for you. Well, that is a great thing because this is a perfect time because we need to gauge where the giant fan is at this point, right? And I think I think we understand we we know, but we just want to see if there's if there's any salvaging anything here, right? Where are you with Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman? I'm done. I am flat out all in chips to the middle of the table like Jim Fossil said done with this duo. Jordan, look at what they've done, okay? How many years of rebuilding can we have? And people say, well, it looks like they got the quarterback right. Okay, so if I'm to move on from these guys, all of a sudden Daniel Jones, just he can't, he can't produce. All of a sudden under Matt Rule, Daniel Jones ceases to exist. All of a sudden, if you bring in Mike McCarthy, Daniel Jones is no longer a viable future quarterback in this league. I mean, what have you seen? Oh, let me ask you, let me ask everybody, what have you seen? from Pat Shermer or Dave Gettleman that gives you any modicum of belief that this is the future duo for this team. I mean, Shermer, his career record is, is he can't even see 500. He'd have to be Bill Belichick for the next few years to get anywhere near 500. I'm frustrated by that. I'm frustrated by the fact that the offensive line looks no better. Their game planning is bland. They make the same mistakes all the time. And then you look at Gettleman. Now, granted, he drafted the quarterback, and it looks like he's deserving credit for that. But does that now mean he holds the entire franchise hostage because he hit on a quarterback? No. It's time to move on. They're a bad football team. They've been a bad football team. And I'll tell you what, Jordan, I don't want to have the third pick and the second pick and the fourth pick and leave it up to Dave Gettleman. This Leonard Williams trade looks ridiculous right now. It's going to be a top five pick of the third round. You're going to spend $100 million on this guy. is absurd. And I have no confidence in either of these guys. Either of these guys, Jordan. So let me throw out some names for you. Well, first of all, let's go with this. How would you feel if they go, okay, we're going to get rid of Pat Shermer, but keep Dave Gettleman? I wouldn't feel great. 
I don't like it. I, I'm telling you, I've seen enough. I've seen Patrick Amame, uh, Sam Beal. Uh, Wait, I, by I, the way, do you know Patrick Amame, I heard, was playing left tackle at some point for the Saints the other day? Can well, you believe that? Issue. Listen, we we have issues. They have no, their issues. Obviously. Whatever. I, I I was I was just staggered. I was I couldn't. I was taken aback that I heard that the other day. I was like, Patrick Omami, left tackle. It's amazing. But this this Leonard Williams trade already it already looks ridiculous. Omami uh, signing Nate Solder, Alec Ogletree, uh, Jonathan Stewart. I mean, uh, I mean, Jonathan Stewart, he couldn't even barely suit up. How many guys do we have to name that, that are frustrating to the point that it, it, it's just it, it has not worked, okay? No, this it definitely has. This is year two. They said it was going to be better. It's actually gotten worse this year than last year, and you're playing teams that you should – I mean, Detroit is bad. Arizona is bad, and you can't beat these teams. This, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Washington and Miami coming up on the schedule, but this is, this is not good. And well, I wrote, I, I, I wrote yesterday, they already lost to Detroit. Right, they already lost to the Jets. They already lost to the Bears, the uh, the Cardinals. Those are four teams with losing records, so they can't even beat. They're not even as good as four teams with losing records. Like, no, do we really think terrible. that they're definitely going to beat the Dolphins and the Redskins? No, I wouldn't no. be surprised if they lost one of those games. No, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost all of those games. I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if they finished at two and fourteen. They're bad, and everyone says, "Well, Miami's bad. Miami's bad." But you know what else is bad? It's the Giants. Yeah, they're bad. They're bad football team. And listen, Barkley is not what he was. He's, in my mind, clearly banged up. Hernandez, who we all thought was going to be this all-pro left guard, is clearly not what we thought he was going to be. The center position is bad. The right Hernandez is an average player. He's a little, yeah. maybe an average, a little above average player. I mean, that, that's the right what he was looking is like. Bad. The center is bad. The left tackle is bad. The receivers are mediocre at best. And now you want to say he hit on Slayton? Okay, fine. But even a broken clock is right twice a day. I'm sick and tired of the excuses. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. And you know what pains me the most? And I said this on my show the other day, and it pains me. And you know how much I love the Giants. But it pains me to say this. I don't even enjoy watching them anymore. I do it out of obligation. I do it out of history. I do it out of tradition. I do not sit down at 1 o'clock on Sunday and say, okay, great, three hours of watching the Giants. I do it because I have to, and that stinks. What do you feel like afterwards? Like, what, do you just, do you just, are you just happy it's over? Or you, do, are, it's does over. it ruin, does it still, does it have no, just completely ruin your day at this point? Anymore. Um, you know what, and this is sad too, I'm numb to it. I watch them like, alright, they're gonna lose. They find a way to lose. They're non-competitive. They're, I mean, they lost to Mitch Trubisky. They made him look like a pretty good quarterback yesterday. And, and, and no, it, it doesn't, it used to, if the Giants are a good team, they, I'll take it for days. Like Monday is painful and Tuesday is painful. And finally right. by Wednesday, I start to snap out of it and think towards the next week. Now I watch them play and it's like, alright, Giants lose. 27-15, 14-12, 19-14, whatever the case may be, flip the page and watch the 4 o'clock games, the roof of the Patriots against the Cowboys. No, they have taken the entire will, and I am one of millions who feel like this. They've taken my entire will and killed it with what they've done. All right, so I'm going to throw some names at you, okay? You, sure, give, you, give me, you give me your reaction. Okay. Matt Rule. I'd love to have Matt Rule. Uh, I thought the Jets should have hired him. I think he's a progressive coach. I think he's a smart coach. Look what he did with a Baylor program that was on the verge of completely crumbling. In two years, he got them back to relevance. So I would love Matt Rule. I think he's smart. And I think the Jets messed up, to be frank with you. I think if they were smart, they would have let him hire. I don't, what, what kind of coach can't hire his offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator? I'd love Matt Rule. I'd love well, for the, that right now. The story that I kind of heard was that, okay, Matt Rule basically thought he was getting the job. So I think he was sitting there and conversing with McCagnin and coming away with the impression that he was getting the job. But obviously Mike McCagnin wasn't really running the show over there, right? Obviously so next, not. next thing you know, 
uh, Matt Rule thinks he's taking the job. He's talking about, you know, defensive guys. There's a little pushback. And next thing you know is Adam Gase is hired. So that's, that's how, that's how the Jets ended up not getting Matt Rule. But this is a guy who we know has Giants ties, right? He's coached here before. Yeah. And I bet you he, he would get that stamp of approval from Tom Coughlin. That Tom Coughlin might make that call and be like, you should hire this guy. He's a great football coach. Well, I, I, I would love if that was the case. So you can continue through your list, but right now uh, you're one for one. I would love Matt Rule to be the guy. Mike McCarthy. I'd like McCarthy. Uh, I mean, Mike McCarthy has won in this league. He's won for an extended period. He's worked with a young quarterback. He, he won a Super Bowl. He has gone to the playoffs numerous times. He was an onside kick away from going back to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, Rule in hierarchy of the two you've given me, Rule would be one, McCarthy would be two, but I would be huge fans of either of those guys. Clearly next level coach. I mean, he has a significant bigger resume and more success. But, you know, Mike McCarthy is very similar to Ben McAdoo in regards to how they operate and the things they do. So to me, I don't know. It seems a little strange. I don't know if the Giants will go down that route, 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 I don't know, whatever, however you pronounce that word. Would that bother you at all? Um, listen, he would not be the top of my list, but he would certainly be someone that I would feel comfortable with. And again, he's had great success with a young quarterback who had big potential. And he's coached in the biggest games, and you know the moment is never too big for him. And, and he you know comes to a building, and he, he gets respect. So Rule would be the guy that I would absolutely want, number one so far, of what you've given me. I'm but I would, be fine. I would be fine with Mike McCarthy. Fine with Mike McCarthy. Jason Garrett. Light me on fire. <laughs> All right. This is a coach who has, I mean, I, I'm not even exaggerating. You could argue from top to bottom the most talented team in the NFL. They have a great offensive line. They have a great running back. They have a great wide receiver. They yeah. have other good wide receivers. They have an elite defensive line. They have elite linebackers, and their secondary is good. The quarterback, I don't love. Some people do, whatever. He's a, at a minimum a very good quarterback. And all they ever do is underachieve. Can he get the Giants to be 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven or even win a division? Yes. But I'm not looking for that, Jordan. I'm looking for the big score. And to me, Jason Garrett is the opposite of the big score. You watched the game this week against New England. I mean, how many times did Troy Aikman say, well, that's a coaching issue. Well, there's a coaching issue. Right. Why would you do that? Why would you do Troy Aikman's been very critical of him over the years. And I think rightfully so. I mean, yeah. yesterday they were completely outcoached. So, God. No, I don't want. You might as well keep Pat Shermer. I don't want any part of Jason. Yeah, you Garrett. know what I wonder about Jason Garrett and people that love him, and it's like, what does he really do well? Like he's a good CEO kind of deal, but like Maybe. he's been neutered on offense. He doesn't even run the offense anymore. You know, Kellen Moore runs the offense. Uh, Chris Richard runs the defense. I I don't know what this allure is. I know he's a New Jersey kid, and I know there's ties to the to the Giants and the Maris, But I, I, honestly, I mean, he's underachieved. He's underachieved for a decade in Dallas. Basically, if they don't bring him back, it would it would really, in essence, be a firing. Why in the world would the Giants want to bring in a retread of a guy who just failed in, in your division? That would be unbelievable to me. Well, if I, you want, if I want me to make you feel better here a little bit, I'll say this to you. I've covered the team now for seven years, right? I have, and I've never heard anybody within the Giants organization. I even reached out recently to someone and asked them uh, about that about you know there being talk about the Giants loving him inside. I've never heard that. Good. I've never, I've never heard his name come from anybody inside that organization or high up that organization that was sort of in love with him as a coach. That was just in awe of the of the job of, of, that he that he's done as a coach. 
I mean, I ne- never, never once heard that. So, well, I don't think me, he's done a very good job yeah. as a coach. I mean, do you? You look at what he's done. They are so talented, and they're, they've, they've lost so many awful games. And I don't even think the Patriots game was an awful loss because they never lose at no. home. But they lost to the Jets. Yeah. Well, they, they haven't beat a winning team this year. I don't think they have a win against a no, winning team this year. No, their signature win, their, their, their best win right now, is a win at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. And you saw the way Philly looked this week. That's yeah, they crushed the Eagles. win right now. All right. Well, the Eagles, don't, don't get off the Eagles bandwagon yet. Their next three games, you know who they are? Yeah, they played the Giants and they played the twice. They Giants, the Dolphins. Dolphins, Redskins are yep. the next and three games. The Cowboys. So if the Eagles yeah. went out, which really seems only like it's one game hurdle by beating the Cowboys, they're probably going to win this division. Yeah. So and they they haven't been good. You're right. They haven't been good. So, but but that that but if that's that, your that's, signature win. I mean, yeah, if, if no, you're I agree. Your week thirteen, and you say, boy, our best win on the season was we beat the Philadelphia Eagles at home. That's kind of underwhelming, no? Well, forget that. Your biggest win. In your career, needs to be big playoff wins. They don't even have those. No, he doesn't barely, even have that on his resume. Detroit, you barely beat Seattle. You were home in both yeah. games. You lost the games following that. No, this isn't I, Tom uh, Coughlin who had like he took the the Jaguars to the championship game in what was it their second year? Yeah, the second season they went to the AFC Championship game and ironically lost to uh, Bill Parcells and the New England Patriots. Oh, yeah? That's a good point right there. Yeah, this is the, final, the, the information I provide. There you go. That's why you're the savant. But final name, Josh McDaniels. Uh, I like Josh McDaniels. Uh, I think he's a smart offensive guy. Um, I think that Belichick would have to kind of sign off on that and say, yeah, it makes it make sense for you to go to the Giants. So I'm, I'm a little Not warm. sure he would do that. We've talked yeah, about this sure before. He, not so not sure, sure he would do that. do that either because it seems that he hasn't done it in the past with a couple of guys. Um, yeah, I'm lukewarm on McDaniel's. Uh, I don't, I don't love him. I'm not opposed to him. You, you've given me four names: Brule Rank one, em. McCarthy two, McDaniel's three, and a, a like. <laughs> I'd have to pick up the trap door of the floor to see Jason Garrett. Four. Jason Garrett, eighty eighth. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of the four guys you named, me, Jason Garrett would be a strong ninth. All right, let's go change change gears a little bit. We're going to play a little game, right? Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to give our list of the top five Giants players this year, right? Oh, goodness. And then on yeah. the other side, we're going to go with our biggest disappointments, okay? So I'm going to – I'll give you – I put together a list over here. So I'm going to go – I'll go first. So this way I give you – you know, you can sit there and think about it a little bit and right. weigh, weigh them some of your mind. The top five players for the Giants this year, and this is in regards to how they played this year. Is this in order? Uh – I will put it in order for you, okay? Now, i got to be honest. I feel completely off guard with this. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't prepared. That, I that's why so I'm is... giving you time to sit right. there and, and collect in your head yeah. while I give you the list, okay? Okay. So my number one player for the Giants this year, and this is quite an indictment, is Marcus Golden. He's had a terrific season. He's been consistent. He's cons- Every game he seems to make a big play or two. He's not the best against the run. He's not the greatest all-around player. But the guy can rush the passer, and this was this was a good signing by Dave. These are the kind of signings he should have made a whole bunch of these, like you know, crapshoot guys. You hope they pan out, and if they right. don't, you can move on, no big deal. And you hope you hit on a few. This is one he hit on, Marcus Golden, number one for me. Number two, and this is this is where I know the team is in humongous trouble because the punter to me is number two on the list. I mean, because I was having trouble coming up with guys. Well, you can't put the field goal kicker on. <laughs> well, he's probably on the he's he's on the most disappointing list. 
So I got Marcus Golden one, Riley Dixon the punter two, uh-huh. Kevin Zeitler, the you know uh, right guard, right guard. Yep. You know who's been okay, not as good as I thought he was, but he's a solid player. Three, four Golden Tate because he's played really well when he's when he's played so far. And uh, even though he missed four games, I'm still putting him in there, which is unbelievable in its own right. And five, I have uh, I'm, I'm, I put you know uh, Daniel Jones and and uh, Dexter Lawrence as five as a, as kind of a joint there because they both showed enough for anything. I don't know. You're optimistic about them now. Can't put Saquon. Nope. He was injured, hasn't played especially well lately. Can't put Shepard, he's been injured, missed a whole big chunk of the season. Can't put Ingram, even though he's their leading receiver, I still believe, because he's been a little inconsistent and he's missed time as he's well. He's always hurt. Yeah. He's always hurt. So, I mean, I don't, I really don't know who else you could put in there. Jabril Peppers? Yeah, maybe. I maybe. mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's certainly not a, it's not a long list. You don't have to, you know, Dig deep to uh, find the Giants' best players. So you want me to uh, to return yeah, so, the favor? So, and, so and, go, yeah, go ahead. Give me give me your top right. three Giants for the 2019 season. 10, Eleven games in. Yeah, I'm going to say I, Darius Slayton's going to be one for me. Uh, um, yeah, I did forget him. Yeah, there's going to be you know I mean there was no expectations. He's what a fifth round pick, and he's he's really he has a terrific chemistry with Daniel Jones, and he looks to be a good player. And he has a good work ethic, and and he would be my number one. I would put Darius. Really, one. I can't one. put him one. I I can't even put like, Golden ex- to Golden Tate. To me, has been a better play with him. Well, you can't just go straight off expectations. I, to okay. me, it had to be performance. But everyone could make their own list. So there you go. Slayton's one for you. you had your list. I'm making right. my list. And like maybe it. it's in no order. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just going to pick three guys and put them up, and you can decide where you go want. Go ahead. So you can do whatever uh, you want. Daniel Jones would would be of my top three as well. Um. A lot of negativity from, from myself included, and he's had a good season now. Other things he has to 17 work on. Seventeen touchdown absolutely. passes. He, he, he liked through twenty one last year. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of games where you watched him and said he looks good. He's athletic. He's mobile. They have they have no running game. Their nope. best receiver consistently has been Darius Slayton. They're consistently banged up. The security blanket that you thought would be there to help him nonstop has been. Hey, he'll be on our most disappointing in Saquon Barkley, whether you blame him or or not. So yeah. Daniel Jones had a good season, and there's a lot of reason for optimism in the future. So he'll be of my of my three as well. Uh, and you know, I want to go Alec Ogletree, but I, I just won't do that. Um, in your top five? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to go with um, <laughs> Marcus Goldman. Um, he's been he's been consistently their best pass rusher. Um, they brought him in at a reasonable number. He's had a good season, and uh, he will round out my very, um, very shallow top three for the Giants this year. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough list. All right, disappoint, disappointment side's a little bit. You, the field is all of a sudden much larger. Oh, yeah, now you have somebody to choose from. <laughs> I mean, you got Nate Solder, you oh, got yeah. Saquon, you got Lorenzo Carter, DeAndre Baker, Aldrich Rosas, uh, BJ Hill. Antoine Bethay, I don't think you could have possibly imagined but being I'm not gonna this bad. But I'm not going to put Antoine on there because he's a, he's a journeyman guy who's, who's almost 62 years old, so he's not going on. I know, but I'm saying with your expectation, you expected at least a decent player. I mean, he's it's hard to watch him out there. It's hard uh, to watch him. It, you can say that about a lot of these guys. O- I, I'm prepared. Would you, like to, as well? would you like me to start out here? Yeah, I'm go prepared. ahead. I go ahead because I didn't actually right. do this. My, biggest, my biggest disappointment, it's got to be Saquon Barkley. I mean, this is a guy who was one of the most electric players in the world last year, and you watch him now, and he's not 
So whether you blame the offensive line, whether you blame the injury, I tend to blame the injury more, and I'll tell you why, because with this same offensive line, when he was healthy to start the season against Dallas, he, mm-hmm. he looked so good, and yeah. he was still so electric. So I'm not saying there's not a reason that he has not been productive and has been a disappointment, but Barkley has to be, for me, the number one disappointment on this team. Has to be. Um, He's not my number one, but I there's a lot of reasons for that, right? I think it's a little bit of everything. The team is bad around him. He's actually not playing well as well. I mean, that is no. also something. He was was banged up, and he's still, you know, he's still probably not still 100%. He's maybe close. He's not on the injury report even at this point. Told me he felt better yesterday than he has after any game in a while. Uh, so, but that is definitely part of why. I mean, he came back from the injury and wasn't himself right away. We, we obviously we could see that. Anybody could right. see that. Right. Uh, so he, 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 for me, is, is, is clearly number one. Um, you gave me this, this huge list to choose from. Uh, I'll, I'll put Nate Solder up there, too. I mean, what, what yeah, he was actually, he's actually my number one. It's just, I mean, he's making so much money. He plays such an important position, and he's just, he's just bad. And it, it, you know, if it's like an Alec Ogletree or someone that you know you're going to move on from, it's, it's probably not as painful. But this is a guy that you thought was going to be your starting left tackle for four years and a, and a good player. And, and neither of those things are true at this point. I mean, he's, he's just not good. No, he's he ranked out all the left tackles in the NFL. He's, he's clearly in that second half. And, and how could you pay him that kind of money for this kind of production? So Solder, to me, has is, is, is got to be number two. Well, they moved some of his money to next year already. Great. So, yeah, so, I mean, like, I, I I believe they're pot committed on him. I mean, it's questionable, but, I mean. But are you going to be committed and, on him as, as a left tackle, or maybe you move him to, to right tackle? Why? Well, just, but here's the, here's the dilemma you have, right? You really think you're going to get a better left tackle right now? Like, even if you draft a guy, it takes guys time to become those kind of players. So I feel like yeah, even, even if you I draft a guy, that guy has to if start you draft at right tackle. Georgia, I would think that, that his first entree into New York Giants football, he would be better than, than Nate Solder. Okay, yes. so if you use a top five pick on a tackle, yes, then you then you you can maybe get a left tackle better than Nate Solder next year. But otherwise, you're really probably not. Do I have to continue this game? This is this is very upsetting. Yes, you do. Yeah, you have no choice. Uh, Lorenzo Carter. I mean, I don't even know if Lorenzo Carter plays in all these games. <laughs> he is he is so quiet. Everyone says he's going to be this elite pass rusher. I mean, it feels like that's just a lie. I feel like I've been sold a bill of goods that are just inaccurate and untrue. So there's so many. That, is that really his fault, though? I feel like that's like he is kind of what he's what we should have expected from a third round pick. But the they, just the hype train on him didn't match who he is. You know, he had a sack yesterday, by the way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, I know, but still, the 30, I him and, the thirty the thirty seven second sack. Yeah, where he ran around for five minutes and then yeah, ran out of bounds. The they gave him a sack on the play. Yeah, terrific. But he, <laughs> he, he he's unimpressive, and it's painful to watch. And you thought he was going to be a good player, and he's just not. So if, if you had to go one, two, three, it's Barkley, it's Solder, and it's Carter. No, he didn't produce in college either that much at a high, at an extremely high level, which is what to me was always a, a concern. And it turned out, you know, should have been a red flag right away. You play at Georgia, and you still don't produce stats at Georgia. I mean, you know, like that. Those teams yeah. were, were awesome. He should be running around the field, you know, racking up sacks and dominated as the team dominated everybody. It didn't they make sense? But I, I guess agree. now, I guess now we know why. Yeah. So you left off because my my five, the five I had were, I had the those three you had were on my list too. I'm, I wasn't quite as high in a disappointment as uh, on Saquon just because of the injury part of it. 
because I almost like took out at least he missed three games. Right. Plus an injury or two, like when he came back, we knew he clearly was not near 100%. So that's almost like four or five games that are just, were just like dead for him because of injury. So I started with Solder, right? Went to Lorenzo Carter second, which as you mentioned, you, you, sometimes you just don't know he's out on the field. Went with DeAndre Baker because the dude's a first-round pick and he's just been a mess. And there's things to worry about uh, with the way he works and his effort and everything I wrote about last week that's just disappointing to me the fact that you have to deal with that at this point from a first round pick especially several years after really going through some of these same problems with Eli Apple and then Rosas and Saquon were my four and five Rosas I mean they missed the kick in five straight games and I know look a lot of it is not you have to look the snaps are all over the place I mean I have you ever seen anything like that no I have never. I've been watching football for forty years. I have never seen the long snapper roll the ball across the turf to the placeholder. I've never seen anything like that. The fact that life. Riley Dixon was able to get the ball and put it down to the point where they could still get a kickoff is a, is a it's just a it's a miracle. It's a minor <laughs> miracle that the ball is able to roll that way on the ground for all seven yards on the ground. Just roll over. It Get into the long snapper's hand. He put it down, and the yeah. kicker still got a kickoff. <laughs> I, I mean, just think, you you know the odds of that being able to happen again. Like, if you roll the ball like that, there's you and the kick, there's like no way the kicker can get no. the ball, the, get, no. get a kick that kickoff. This is how the New York, the 2019 New York Giants are special, Dave. They're special yeah. in a very unique way. They've lost seven in a row. They're two and nine. The season has crumbled before our eyes. They're losing to teams that are horrendous. This is, now I, I'm, I'm of the, uh, of the mindset with you. This is a special, special football team. <laughs> Do you remember the last time this team has lost seven in a row? Would I know that? You would know this. This is a – see, I probably have blocked this for my subconscious. It's kind of sneaky, like, wow. Like, you think, know, it's during this, this run. Though? No, it's during I, this run. Oh, but it's really kind of – kind, that's why it's kind of sneaky. Like, wow, they went that, that was the year they lost seven in a row? Uh, 2015. No, 2014. During Odell's rookie year, when he was mm-hmm. going off and doing the whole Cowboys thing, that was right. part of a seven-game losing streak. No, well, uh, at least there was optimism that year because he was so good. <laughs> yeah, you were right. Like just the, the opposite. You know, that's the thing is that when those kind of things happen. Like, when's the last time they lost seven in a row? You're like, what was it? Probably like thirty years ago. No, no, it was only uh, no, yeah, <laughs> it was no. Only, it was only five years. You understand, ago. <laughs> and you do. I know you do. How bad this era of Giants football has been? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I've been I I've been Giants fan since since the late seventies. Now, the, the, from sixty three to eighty one was brutal. They didn't go to the playoffs one time. But from eighty one on, Jordan. Now there was a blip here and there. But from eighty one on. I mean, it was it was Nirvana, right? They went to the yeah. loss in eighty one and eighty three was was bad, but in eighty four they won, eighty five they won, eighty six. They were good for the better the part thing. of thirty years. For pretty much yeah. thirty years straight, they were a good for team. Thirty years, now, like, granted, a, right before, they had right a year or two, a couple yeah, of years of here there where they might have been good. But for the better the part of those thirty, era, how about that? The Ray Hanley era, they were eight and eight, and 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 we ran them out of town. Hey, we we would give a kidney to be an eight and eight football team at this point. Well, the only one with a winning record over the last what. Uh, Seven, eight years here is Ben McAdoo. 
Right. Well, he had an eleven five season, which was fortuitous, I would say. And true, but he went eleven. He went eleven and five. I know. I, know. And and the, 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 I mean, in the, the other game, they they decided to go on a boat. <laughs> the other coaches are taking uh, two years to get to eleven wins. For God's sakes, I don't, I don't care how you do it at that point. Sherman's not there yet. Sherman's not even really close to eleven. Wins. <laughs> he is not. He's got He's seven not. wins. He might need. He might need three full seasons. There, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. There is, well, actually, there's no chance that he can get to, I guess he could, but there is zero chance that he's going to get to 11 wins in two years. None. He'd have to win six games this year. He's got two. <laughs> They'd have to go four and two down the stretch. No chance that happens. Yeah, well, that's what we're on now. We're going to be sitting there watching Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman's every move and how it's perceived by the New York Giants organization. That's what you have to look out for in the final five weeks of the season, Dave. That and the potential embarrassments of losing to the Miami Dolphins or Dwayne Haskins and the Washington Redskins. The guy was on his a cell phone taking a, a, a selfie while the game ended. Um, it's special. incredible. It, it, re- it really is incredible. I, I, will, I will tell you this. I watched Ohio State-Penn State on Saturday. And if there is a silver lining in all of this, it is that right now, assuming the Bengals were to take Joe Burrow with the top overall selection, the Giants could land... Chase Young. If Unbelievable. There a, if there is a, a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and they go 2-14 and 14 or 3-13 and 13 and can land that kid, I'm not saying it's worth it, but there may be a legitimate star at the end of this thing. He is, he is one of the best pass-rushing college players I've seen in a really long time. Maybe ever. I mean, he, he, he is a, he's he unbelievable. Is an absolute stud. He, he reminds me a lot when I watch him play in college of Von Miller. And that's why when I watch these games now, I just watch them out of duty. I watch them because I've been a fan for so long. But if they lose, I'm fine with that because I know that there's a potential star coming down the road. You've really become numbed. That, that, that's I, what, that's what that says. You, you, you know five years the ago, there's are? no way. Five years ago, no way you would have been able to say that. The, no way. The Giants are the football version of Novocaine. They have completely numbed me to watching the game of football. All right, Dave, make it through the season. I got confidence in you. We'll speak again know. soon. I don't know. Thanks, Jordan. All right, thanks, Dave. On to the next one. All right, let's move on now to a little Jordan on the beat. This is the portion of the show where I go over what it's like to cover the New York Giants and the NFL in general, and I give you a little insight into some of the things that happen. And this one is going to be, I'll do a little double locker room here, right? Because the locker room is maybe one of the more interesting places in the world. I mean, things that you do in the locker room just aren't socially acceptable a lot of places otherwise, right? And this is a story that I mean, you just, part of the locker room is it's open for like 45 minute stretches at a time. Most days, I think it's, you know, Three, four days a week. Okay, whatever it is after the game. And one of the things that you do is you sit there and you schmooze with guys. This is how you create relationships. But it's also strange in that guys are showering, going in and out of the shower and coming out. And they're walking around sometimes half toweled up and or, na- or naked or, or, you know, it, just awkward things. Like Jameel McClain, guy never used a full towel. Always used, it wasn't even like one of those uh, hand towels. It was like a square, and he would just cover, you know, his privates with this little square. Never used a real towel. Strangest thing you've ever seen. 
and the locker room in general, these kind of things, these kinds of conversations you have. So I'm sitting there, I'm talking to John Jerry. You guys probably remember John Jerry, offensive lineman, big guy, 340 pounds, not exactly a physical specimen at all. And we're having a conversation, right, about like it's college days or something. And in the middle of the conversation, he's sitting there and he's massaging his breasts with lotion. He's lotioning up his chest, right? A 340-pound guy with droopy boobs massaging his breast, right? And then he starts changing. And so he's basically buck naked at some point, and we're still sitting there conversing, right? Like in a normal way. Like I'm, you obviously, when the second guy starts changing, you're looking in the other direction as, much, as quickly as humanly possible. But we're still conversing. Like the conversation just goes on. And I didn't even think twice about it at the time. We're just talking, no big deal. This is kind of what happens in the locker room. This is how a locker room works. And then I walked out of the locker room and I thought to myself, in what other facet of life can you sit there and have a normal conversation with a guy as he caresses his own breasts and then gets buck naked and changes and you don't even flinch? I didn't even flinch. I, we just stood there and continued talking. That's the locker room for you. Now, it brings me into another locker room situation, a little different, but entertaining nonetheless, because the Giants played the Chicago Bears this week. And the Chicago Bears have Prince of Mukamar, right? Former Giant cornerback, first-round pick. And Prince of Mukamara is a great guy. Great guy, I'm telling you. Nice guy. And it was known that he did not believe, I believe, in premarital sex, right? But then he got married. He has two kids now. So Antro Roll's standing by his locker. And all of a sudden, he's going to tell us why Prince Mukamara is blossoming into this, you know, veteran, better player. This man, you know, he started out, he was a boy. And Antro Roll says something along the lines of, you know, Prince Mukamara is now getting some. And... So, okay, you're like, okay, you know, uh, and he uses this word I've never heard before. Uh, I can't say it on the air because I think, and by context alone, I kind of, I knew what it meant. And like I knew, and I, but I never heard of it. This is a, a slang term that, you know, maybe some Florida thing, but I had never heard of it. And I trust me, I've heard of most of these things. But, and so you're standing there and we're listening and he just kept going on and on. He, and this wasn't like a slip by, by, by Antro Roll. He went on for like five minutes and he's talking about Prince and about how, you know, he's, he's a happy guy now. And he's, uh, I, mean, I gotta be, I, I have to watch what I'm saying here on this. I think you, you get where I'm going here. So we all walked out of the locker room. Everybody was like, whoa, what was that? There was only like three or four people there and a couple people were hesitant to even write it. And I had to go on Urban Dictionary, right, just to figure out what this word, you know, just 100% make sure I understood that that's what he was referring to. Now, when you're in the Giants facility, though, they have a block on a lot of web, on certain websites, you know, like you can't go on some porn website in the Giants building. They have blocks on these things. You know, a lot of, most businesses do. So, but Urban Dictionary, I figure I can go on it. But no, I couldn't go on it because that's one of the websites that's blocked. So I have to go to my cell phone. Make sure I got it right. Make sure it's in, in the context that I, mean, that I was perceiving it was right. Then I have to decide, okay, can I really write a story about this? 
do we even want a story about this? Which words can we use? Which words can we not use? So I basically typed it verbatim, sent it to my editor at the time, at NJ.com, and he had to go to people, and they had to uh, edit it and censor it, and but and then I had to write the story. But a couple people weren't even sure what it was at first. They didn't even write it. So these are the kind of things you got to deal with sometimes. In the locker room, anything can happen. That's a little snippet of what the locker room is like. And look, we're not even in the locker room often. Like I said, 45 minutes, a few days a week. And half the, a lot of the players, they don't even like to come around the locker room. Not a lot, but there's some players who don't even like to come in the locker room while the media is there. And they avoid it. So we only get a little, little taste of the locker room. And it's a, quite an interesting dynamic between player and reporter. So that's my little stories from Jordan on the beat, uh, playing against the Bears and Prince of Mukamara that kind of conjured up all these old memories of, oh, my God, you're in uncomfortable locker room situations. So there you go. Uh, the Giants, they do play a game this week. We can't forget about that. They play the Green Bay Packers. And if you watched on Sunday night, the Green Bay Packers got smacked around by the San Francisco 49ers, whose defense is just beastly. I mean, the way they pressure and the way they dominate up front, I mean, they just killed, just demolished. The Packers offensive line. I mean, really. Aaron Rodgers got beat up. Had no chance. Now he gets to come back against the Giants. And the Giants defense, if it's proven to be one thing this year, is if you need a get-right game for your quarterback, this is it. You want to play the Giants. So this is the get-right game from Aaron Rodgers. Remember for a second, Kirk Cousins was struggling early this year, and everyone was killing him? Well, his get-right game was against the Giants ever since then. He's been basically an MVP candidate. So Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, 35. Let's make it 36. I like picking random numbers because kickers miss every kick. And as we've seen with Eldrick Rosas uh, and the Giants as well and the Bears, what a disaster their kicking game is. I wouldn't trust their kicker to do anything either. But the Packers, 36. Giants, 13. Make it 2 and 10. Yikes. This season. This season. Those games against the Dolphins and the Redskins later this year, I mean, that's the only thing that keeps the Giants from – I mean, they lose one or both those games. They lose one or even one of those two games. This is a chance and lose the rest of their games. Say they split those games and lose the rest of their games. This might be the, one of the, their worst season in franchise history. I mean, they would finish 3-13, and 13, but like I said before, this, is a wor- this would be a worse 3-13 and 13 than the 3-13 and 13 two years ago. Anyway, that's it with this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. We'll do a Giants After Dark next time, so make sure to send me questions. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, email, and follow this podcast wherever you can get it. I mean, it's, we're available everywhere now, basically. ESPN app is preferable. Apple Podcasts. We got iHeartRadio. You name it, we're there. So catch us on one of those platforms, on those podcast platforms. And everybody, have a great Thanksgiving. See you next time.